we're concluding today our study of the book of Galatians and Paul ends with a handwritten note at the bottom of the letter that apparently uh, someone else has written for him and he uses a phrase here and I'd like to focus on this because I think it uh, sums up what he's been doing and uh, he says peace and mercy to all who follow this rule even to the Israel of God as we reflect on this last section, we look back over the book, we're, ba- we're faced with a basic issue about this book and maybe about Christianity itself. That is, Paul has written an entire book and never mentioned salvation. What he has described is something more all-encompassing than changing up your religion and getting saved. He has described new creation. And as Paul takes in pen in hand and writes this final word in his own large handwriting, maybe because of his eye problem, he returns to the point about the agitators. But his idea is that this Israel of God is the means of universal salvation. He says, those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And let me note here that Paul is going to contrast his own marks in the flesh. He says, I bear in my flesh the marks of Christ, my brand marks. And of course, what he's talking about is probably the scars that he's gotten from being stoned and whipped and beaten in the cause of Christ. These circumcisers would escape persecution. And Paul says, well, actually, the marks of persecution are what brand me as one of Christ's own. Those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world, for neither circumcision, neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Let me say it again. Neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision. That's for Paul everything. In other words, that's all the categories. He says neither of those categories matter. What matters is new creation. Uh, those are those exhaustive categories would include all the techniques of his former religion and all those of the Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles. And he says these strategies, these techniques are for not for anything. But what these people want to do is to avoid true religion, which is not just about the salvation of these individuals. Paul is saying we're not talking about you know, uh, a, a partial salvation. We're talking about new creation, salvation on a cosmic scale. They want to avoid the cross. They want to avoid persecution. They want to continue by the former principles which mark them. And they want to boast in your flesh. That is, they want you to get circumcised and therefore boast that you're their disciples. In other words, they do not want to abandon one world order, which they know and are familiar with, so as to enter into new creation. 
They do not want to follow Paul's example when he says, May it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me. There it is again, new creation. One world has been done away with, and a new world has come. I've been, the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. These people's confidence in the flesh and their boasting, that's one way of being. That's one way of doing life. They have fallen into the original lie. They, you know, remember, they would know their way into being godlike by knowing good and evil. Here's the original sin repeating itself You won't die, you won't be persecuted, you won't face death, you'll be like God. They would manipulate the flesh so as to gain divine status. Their boast contains the pride, I believe, that directly is addressed by the cross. They would come to God on the basis of their own terms and strength. And this is the universal problem. And this is what the cross is aimed at nullifying. Paul says, from now on, let no one cause trouble for me. I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. This is the way Paul wants to do identity, not with the marks of circumcision. You can you, you consider your calling, brethren. This is in Corinthians, a very a, a parallel passage. Not many of you were wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are, that are so that no one may boast before God. Paul says in Galatians, I through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The language that Paul uses in both Galatians and Corinthians is the language of ontology. You know, he says it's the language from uh, that which is not nullifying the eye. That is, he's going to nullify the eye and so that he would not nullify the grace of God. Those seems to be those seem to be the two choices. You're going to either die on the cross of Christ, or you're going to miss the grace of God. Um, boasting in the cross is the abandonment of boasting in the flesh. So Paul does not want to nullify the grace of God. Um, I think the two choices are really the two choices between two worlds. Two ways of doing identity. In one way, we don't nullify the eye. We would boast in the eye. We would boast in the flesh. We'd boast in our status. We'd boast in our power. But Paul is saying we're in Christianity, we're called to giving up that entirely. We're not just called to a new technique, a new religion, or even a new way of knowing. It's more radical than that. Paul has described this from the opening of the book as of cosmic significance. He says that Christ came to rescue us from this present evil age. 
uh, that he's come to give us new creation, he says at the, the end. As he says in Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is Christ reconciling the world to himself. What the gospel has unveiled is not simply a new way of being religious. It's not a new way even of being saved. It's not a new way of being God's people though that is certainly involved. It's nothing short of new creation. A new world is coming into being. And everything appears in a new light within this new creation. So Paul's advice in Corinthians, he says, live as if not. You know, there is one period that is vanishing. Do not attach yourself to that period that is vanishing. One should no longer stake one's life on marriage, on weddings, on funerals, on asceticism, but a new ordering of life's priorities around the fact of what? Resurrection. There is new creation through the resurrection and invest then only in this new societal structure. And so I think this is what Paul means when he says the Israel of God, new creation, He's aimed at preserving the unity in this Israel of God. He is not identity through the law, not identity through difference. He's arguing for a one family relationship, for ultimate unity over and against, you know, the divisive mode of doing identity that you find among the Judaizers. Uh, By the end of chapter 3, Uh, He's arguing that the normal way of doing identity is undone because we're all part of the seed of Abraham, he says. Uh, He's going to argue throughout that God is one and therefore we are to be one. The The resolution to the problem of the one and many, though, is through this existential unity and even an ontological unity in Christ. So seed, you know, the seed of Abraham, it refers to Christ It refers to the individual, but it also refers to the corporate family to be found in Christ. So, you know, we talked before, here is the resolution to the problem of the one and the many. Christ is the head, the one seed into which the many are incorporated and find their identity. Christ is both corporate and individual. He's completing humanity. And so when Paul says, here is the Israel of God, Christ is true Israel, the church is true Israel. Here is God's mode of salvation. We talked last week about the logic of the law. He says to the circumcisers, well, just keep on cutting. The law disempowers, it divides, it ends in ultimate separation. This is not just the Jewish problem, but this is the human problem. And so Paul asked in Galatians, what's the purpose of the law? Well, the law marks the problem of alienation and sin. It shows up the problem. Think here of the temple walls. You know, it's a system of separation. Think of the Jew-Gentile divide. Think of the Romans 7 divide. 
in which Paul pictures being divided against himself. This divided world, I believe, is one sort of reality. And the unity that he's arguing for in Galatians is the other reality. And we can choose between those two systems, those two ways of doing identity. We might ask, well, where does this division exist? It exists in everyone, and it exists everywhere. That's what he's saying. This is the way, this is, one world is constituted in this divisive identity through difference of the law. The other world is constituted in Christ. Paul says in 3.22, The scripture has shut up everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. And so he's saying at the end of the book, why would you go back to doing identity on the basis of this system that destroys you? On the basis of a system that was a temporary measure. So Galatians is not about salvation of individuals per se, but it's about new creation. And what we, when we begin to experience this new creation in having the dividing wall within us and between us broken down. We begin to experience the agape love relationship within the Israel of God. So the point is not that people might simply change up their religion, their religious practices. Circumcision or uncircumcision, Paul says, that counts for nothing. That's not anything. What counts is new creation. So what God is doing through Christ is the fulfillment of creation's purpose. Uh, It's not an understanding we create for ourselves. uh, You know, uh, a faith that saves through... You know, a kind of imputed righteousness. You know, think here, what did Paul, when Paul was on the road to Damascus before he was a Christian, what he lacked was not that he must have faith rather than works. That's the way we often read Galatians. But that Jesus is the messianic agent. He is the God of Israel. He is the faithful one raised from the dead in whom the righteousness that comes from God is disclosed. Therefore, here is the true Israel of God. Think of those who opposed Christ, who killed Christ, and even think of Paul himself who persecuted the church. It wasn't, you know, here are the respectable, the religious, the leaders, not the outcasts, not the prostitutes, the lepers, the poor. It was the best part of of the society. It was the ethical, the religious, the leading men of the day who killed Christ. One world system would kill the Savior. The other world system is founded on the Savior. It's not that Paul discovers an inner disposition of faith as opposed to striving to please God. What he comes to is Christ, an alternative way of being, an alternative way of founding Israel, new Israel, new creation. And so the matrix of darkness which Christ came into was one by which Paul was blinded himself through ethnic pride, through nationalism, through racism, through religious zealotry, 
even through his, because of his great learning, perhaps. Let me state it in a very odd way here. The organizing principle of evil is righteousness. Right? The organizing principle of evil is those who would establish their own righteousness. That is law, it's not lawlessness, but it's in fact the law that man would establish, the law of sin and death that killed Christ, that is ultimately evil. This is not so much immorality as the reigning morality. I said I was saying it in an odd way, right? We have to shift worlds. We have to go from one world in which we live according to the law, the law of sin and death, and we enter into another world in which that no longer counts for anything. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's where he would boast. In the cross of Jesus, and that's where one world ends and another world begins. I've been crucified to the world and the world to me. Why did Christ die? I mean, that's the basic question here. He died that we might take up our cross and be crucified, right? So that the world would be crucified for us. He did not die so that we don't have to, as in many theories of atonement, the divine satisfaction, penal substitution. I believe this directly perverts Christianity. It's a Christianity that says, well, Christ did it, therefore we don't have to. But what Paul is saying, no, Christ did it, he's the model, his death is the means by which we put to death the enslaving dynamic of the eye. We often picture the cross as the place that divine wrath falls. I think that's exactly wrong. Divine wrath does not befall those who take up crosses. It's precisely the place where we are made right, where we die to ourselves. Not in the payment of a penalty, but in the escape from bondage and entry into a new family. Here is the passage from one world to another. If we get this wrong about Galatians, we get this wrong about the very meaning of Christianity. The cross puts on display not the wrath of God to be undone, but the virtue of Christ to be imitated. As we lay down our lives in the manner that Christ laid down his life for us, we take up the cross that he bore, not to escape wrath, but to model virtue and redemption. And this is how the Israel of God is founded. This explains God's providence. This explains God's predestination. In both Romans and Galatians, Paul is arguing that God is summing things up in Christ. Here is the one through whom creation is predestined to be saved. The meta-narrative of history or of the Jews is that God has delivered Israel from the bondage of slavery and that bondage of slavery 
is the real deliverance that Christ, you know, brings about. He delivers us from the slavery of sin. True Israel is the church. And the church consists of those who have passed from the bondage of slavery to the law of sin and death, to the freedom that Paul announces in Galatians. We have been set free, he says, for freedom. The law has delivered us to a place beyond the law. The individual and the corporate body of Israel and the Gentiles have been delivered. This is Romans 6 and 8, 9 to 11, but it's also Galatians. God's providence and predestination for the corporate bodies or for individuals is not two things. I think we miss this. You know, oh, there's Israel and then there's the Gentiles and there's the Jews. No, Paul's saying he summed all things up in Christ. Here is the Israel of God that's inclusive of both Jews and Gentiles. Circumcision or uncircumcision is not anything. What he is doing with Israel is parallel to what is taking place within each individual. So certainly as we join this new Israel of God, the dividing wall of hostility is broken down within and without. So he's argued throughout for the single family, the single table fellowship. You know, Galatians is is provoked by this idea that some would divide. He's argued for the single God in whom all things are brought into a single body. This unified order is the alternative to dualism, to binaries, Jew, Greek, male, female, slave, free. We no longer do identity on that basis. Not that these things are obliterated, but they no longer uh, pertain to our identity. They no longer are the means of doing identity in Christ. Dualism and chaos, division and alienation. No, this is not just Paul, this is Genesis, this is John. These are undone through the ontological ground found in Christ. All Israel is saved and the church is Israel. And this is the picture of universal salvation, the salvation for all. So Israel is made up of believing Jews and Gentiles who are the true seed of Abraham. Neither circumcision is anything, nor uncircumcision, but new creation. And those who walk by this rule, Paul's writing in his big letters, this is so important that he wants us to get this. Those who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Giving up identity through difference, or identity through the law, Here is the establishment of a new rule. What is the new rule? Peace and mercy. Not violence, not an originary chaos, not a continual agonistic struggle as in Romans 7. Not the apparent dualism of darkness and light, life and death. But new creation in which the light is overcoming the darkness. Life is defeating death. The eye and its alienation are put to death, and there is new creation, which is the completion of creation itself, peace and mercy. He's rewritten the Shema, actually, you know, the the Jewish Shema that our Lord, our God is one. But Paul says, 
There is but one God the Father from whom are all things and we exist for Him and one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things and we exist through Him. The concluding, my concluding remark here, I'm just going to read Isaiah because I think what Paul has had in mind throughout Galatians and Romans, he keeps referring to Isaiah. Listen to these words of Isaiah that he's probably thinking about as he's describing the new Israel, the Israel of God. For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. O afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, behold, I will set your stones in antinomy, and your foundations I will lay in sapphires. Moreover, I will make your battlements of rubies and your gates of crystal and your entire wall of precious stones. All your sons will be taught of the Lord, and the well-being of your sons will be great. Here is new Israel, new Jerusalem, heaven come to earth, and that's the communities of new Israel that Paul is establishing. Let's sing our hymn of it.